Uh, today, I just thought we were continuing a series. We just started it last week. It's called Brand New. And the whole idea of the series is uh, speaking, well, obviously, we're in a brand new building today. But it's talking about the, the main focus is being branded by Jesus. And so the question is, how has God branded his followers? And we know that whenever an animal is branded, a part of that brand is to demonstrate to whom he belongs. And when the brand's put into his flesh, I mean, that is a brand that is permanent. And so I just want to share with you and remind you over the next several weeks that whenever you are touched by Jesus, when you give yourself to him, God puts a mark in your life that demonstrates that you belong to him forever. Okay, so with that as a background, now I'm going to get into a little story for you. Uh, there was a, a group of tourists who were watching the Queen's Royal Artillery, and there were six guys. Five of them were going through their routine, and the tourists were watching them. You know, these are the guys that wear the big hats, the big furry hats, and they're looking very impressive. But one of the guys noticed that, that one of the uh, men in the artillery group stood up 25 yards to the side, and he just stood ramrod straight at attention. And he watched him the entire time. He didn't do anything. And so after it was over, one of the, one of the tourists walked over to the sergeant, and he said, I'm, I'm curious, he said, what does that guy over there do? And he said, oh, he's number six. He's like, okay, but, I mean, but what does he do? He said, well, he stands at attention. He said, well, I see that, but I mean, what does he do? And the guy just said, well, he stands at attention. Well, after it was over, the, the sergeant was kind of bothered about that, so he went to look up and see what his purpose was. And what he discovered was interesting. A hundred years before, in the Queen's Artillery, that guy would stand 25 yards off to the side watching the horses. Well, a hundred years later, they didn't have horses anymore. And so his position was basically useless. Now, I, I tell you that because I think that for many people, when they think about the church, when they think about Christianity, oftentimes they, they view the church like it's number six. And they kind of look over and say, well, what's the point of church? You know, I mean, what are you guys doing? I mean, you could be home getting ready for the big Patriots game today. And so what is, what is the point of you being here? What is the point of you gathering together? And if that is a question that any of you have had, and I'm not going to ask you to admit that right now, but if you've had that question, I'll be honest with you, that's a good question. You should ask the question often, well, what's the point? You know, what is the purpose? And so today I just want us to look at what is the point, what is the purpose, what is the mission of Village Church? And why are we here today? How is it that God has branded us and how does that make a difference? Well, today we're going to see that one of the ways that God brands His people, one of the ways that God has branded our church is He's branded us by giving us a challenge that is still applicable for our, for our church today. God has branded His people. He has branded this church for a reason. And we are here for a reason. We are a body of believers that have come together because God has a purpose for us. And what we're going to do today is just very, believe it or not, fairly briefly... We're going to look into Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and we're going to see that God's challenge for us is known as the Great Commission. 
Now, those of you who've grown up in the church are probably familiar with that term, but we're just very simply going to see how it is that God has branded people. And so as you're looking there, I want to give you a little background about this scripture. When Jesus said these words that we're going to look at today, know that he said these things as the risen Savior. He had already conquered death. We know he went to the cross. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And then it's at this point that Jesus speaks these words. And so I want to tell you that because I don't want you to think that when Jesus said these things, that he was saying these things as a desperate man who's scared to death. Man, I don't want anybody to forget about me. So y'all do this stuff so that you'll remember that I existed. That's not, that's not why Jesus said these things. Jesus said these things with absolute power. Y'all, we are here today because we believe that Jesus conquered death. And he gives a challenge to those of us who believe that, who follow him. So, so why is Village Church here? You know, I mean, this is fun. The building, you might say, why are we here? Because the building's cool and the donuts are good. But I want you to know, we are here for a much bigger reason than that. We are here because we worship a God who rose from the grave who can change your life. And he's given us a challenge. What's the challenge of Village Church? Very first one, simple. He's branded our church. He's branded followers of Jesus to make disciples. Now, look with me in verse number 19. In verse 19, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of people, especially in the South, say that they are Christian. And as a pastor, I like that. Yeah, I think that's kind of neat that when people identify themselves as followers of Jesus. But one thing that I know and that you guys know as well is that just because somebody says something doesn't necessarily mean that's what they are. They oftentimes can be two very different things. Now, the Bible tells us that our challenge is to go out and to make disciples. Now, if you have been anywhere near a church before, I'm sure you've heard the term disciple. Now, I've heard that my whole life. But what does it mean to be a disciple? You ever wondered that? I mean, what is the definition of a disciple? Well, very simply put, a disciple is one who invests, who trusts, who entrusts his life to Jesus. And he believes that Jesus is who he says he is, and he's going to read God's word and say, God, I am going to follow your leadership, and I'm going to serve others, and I'm going to love people for your name. Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Disciples of Jesus love others. They love God and they love others. But you know what? There's a whole lot of people, and of course I'm not including any of y'all, who claim to be followers of God. Man, they sure don't give much testimony by their lives that they are followers of God. And so what happens is people in our community, people around us look and say, what is the point of being a follower of God if it doesn't make a difference? There's been a study that's done that shows that the divorce rate among Christians compared to the rest of society is pretty much the same. 
Uh, there's been a study that's been done that says that the basic worldview that Christians have is very similar to those who are not followers of Jesus. That makes me ask the question, well, what's the point? I mean, why, why do all this stuff if we're really not different than anybody else? And it's really frustrating when you see people saying one thing and yet they live in a different way. Does that bother you all any? Now, I like to exclude myself. I'm sure I do the same thing, but I'm really good at pointing it out in other people. I know a lot of you, a lot of you are hypocrites. And you know what? Some of you can look at me and say that I am. But I'm just going to gloss over that because I think I'm doing pretty well. But, you know, we don't ever like it when anybody is hypocritical. Just as an example, we've had it in the news lately. Who was the number one guest on Oprah this week? Lance Armstrong. Now, what's, what's the story of Lance Armstrong? Lance Armstrong is a guy who won seven consecutive Tour de France's, or France's, I don't know how you say it. An incredible bi- bicyclist. A guy that overcame cancer, had a great story, and then people accused him of, of doping. And for, what, for what's he been doing the last ten years? Totally denying it. And if you disagreed with him, man, he just absolutely threw you under the bus. And so I've watched that story, and I was like, oh, this guy's probably passed over 500 drug tests. The guy's clean. He comes on Oprah, and what does he say? I use PEDs. Perform, I now know what that means. Performing enhancing drugs. It doesn't mean children. I use performing enhancing drugs. Now what do we say about that? A hypocrite. Guy's been living a lie. You know, it's so easy for us to claim to be one thing and yet be something totally different in the way that we live. And when the world sees that in Christians, let me tell you something, it is a turnoff, big time. See, our goal here at Village Church is not for us to look like Christians. You know, to come in on Sunday and trick everybody. Our goal here is not to look like Jesus. Our goal here is to be like Jesus. That's our goal. Now, how does that happen? By becoming disciples. You know, the biggest tool that we have in our church in the disciple-making process is what we call our V-groups. This is where we have small group ministries where people meet throughout the week in, in neighborhoods, mainly in neighborhoods close to where they live, and the idea is that we will live life together with the people we're near, that we will study Scripture together and find out how it applies to our lives so that we can serve other people, so that we can, so that we can for one, just simply love each other and have community and fellowship with each other. Now, that's the main disciple-making tool in our church. That's why right outside here we have those tables set up that are, that are highlighting some of the V-groups that we have. My encouragement for you is when the service is over, I'd love for you all to go out there and to look and see what V-group might be near you so that you could possibly plug into that, into that V-group. And whenever you go to a V-group, you're going you're gonna to study Scripture, you're going to have a good time, you're going to hang out with people that live near you, And the hope is that you're going to expose the people around you to who Jesus is. We believe this is a major cog in our church in making disciples. Uh, Another major tool that we use in making disciples is in the worship service here. No doubt that the number one way that people come into the church is through the worship service. And that's why it's important for you to go out and invite friends to come. Obviously, y'all did a pretty good job today. But you want to invite friends to come here for a very simple reason, so that they will hear about Jesus. 
Now, to make this process a little easier, if you're nervous about inviting people to church, I understand that. Um, we have cards. If you walk out, there's a little welcome sign. We have little cards on the table. They're invite cards. Pick one up, and you just hand it to somebody. Even one of your friends or coworkers, they might not go to church anywhere. Say, I'd just like to invite you to come. I'd like to invite you to come to Village Church. Now, now why, you might say, why do I want them to come here? Well, because we believe that what we teach out of here, which is the Bible, we believe this. We believe this book is the Word of God. And we believe that this book is God's love letter to us that will transform and change a person's life when they pay attention to what it says. So I don't stand up here and teach out of, you know, Reader's Digest or Sports Illustrated. Because God's Word, the Bible, is God's Word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We teach out this book because we believe this book leads to life. And whenever we pay attention to what God says here, let me tell you something, when you pay attention to this book and you apply it to your life, it will change your life. Not because it's me talking about it, but because these words come from God himself. And God's word has life. So what's the challenge here at Village Church? It's to make disciples. For your life to be transformed by God. Okay, so that's the very first challenge we have. You, you might say, okay, we're all here today. Why are we here? I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, this is fun, but what are we here for? Well, we are here to make disciples of Jesus. But we are also here for another reason, and that is, and this is going to be interesting for some of y'all, but this is what the Bible says. We are here also to baptize followers. Whenever we have our Discovering Village Church class, one of the number one questions we have is, why do you guys do that? If you've never seen a baptism at our church, you might have seen it at other churches, what we do in baptism is people get in like a tub of water, a pool of water, and we take them all the way underneath the water. So people say, why do you dunk people? And I just absolutely, this is, this is a fun one to talk about. Now let's just look to see what the Bible says about this. Verse number 19 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Okay, that's pretty clear. This is not a suggestion, it's what God calls us to do. And then he says this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now a lot of people are curious as to why we baptize at Village Church. Now before we get into that, I want to share this. Baptism does not make a person a Christian. I would just like to make that very clear. Uh, it, is a, it is an act that demonstrates to whom you belong, but it does not change your heart. Uh, it is an outward sign of a commitment that you have made in being a follower of God. The only way we have, have salvation, rescue, the only way we become followers of God is because of what Jesus did on the cross and because he rose from the grave. And when we trust him, it is God in his mercy who reaches down to you and will change you. It's not anything you do. It is all dependent upon God. That, that's why we're told again in, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. You can't earn it. It is a gift from God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Okay, you might say, well then why do you guys baptize and why is it important? Some of you might have grown up in the church and never been baptized. And you say, why do you guys kind of push that stuff? Real simple. We go to the Bible. When we go to the Bible, verse number 19, we see that Jesus commands baptism. 
You see, baptism is an outward sign of what has happened inside of a person's life. It is a demonstration to what God has done on your, on your inside. Romans 6.4 says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now I want to give you a real simple baptism illustration that I've used a hundred times and I'm going to use it a hundred and one times because it's a good one. makes sense to me. Um, whenever you see this ring on my finger, what does this symbolize? It symbolizes that I'm married, married, right? Now, I've been married for 20 years. Now, if I take this ring off, off my finger, let me ask you another question. Am I still married? Absolutely. I'm still married. Now, when the ring's on, it gives an outward testimony that I belong to this woman right over here, Emily, my boss. Okay, so she's in charge of me. So I am, I am married to her. Now, just because I don't have it on doesn't mean I'm not married. But when I have it on, it's a great testimony to let other, all, the, you know, all the ladies who are you know, checking me out. It just lets them know that I belong to Emily. I'm just kidding, y'all. So that's what this ring does. Now, that is what baptism is like, in a sense. Baptism is, a, is a, like a ring that symbolizes that you belong to God. Now you might say, well, I've, I've, I'm a follower of Jesus. I committed my life to him, but I've never been baptized. Does that mean I'm not a Christian? doesn't mean that at all. So you say, then why, why do you ask for people to be baptized? Because Jesus commanded it. And it is one of the most beautiful testimonies without you speaking to demonstrate to whom you belong. It's a sign of obedience. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will obey what I command. What does God command? He commands us to be baptized. So what is the challenge for Village Church? You know, I know this is a real basic message, but it's important for us to go over. Our challenge here at this church is to make disciples. It is to baptize followers. And this is the very last one. Our challenge at Village Church is to teach the Bible. Real simple. Our job is to teach the Bible. Now look with me in our last verse we'll read, verse number 20. It says, you are to teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Notice the last thing that Jesus called for us to do. He told us to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now why is it important for us to know what Jesus taught? Because it's our, it's our purpose for living. It's the direction that we receive. Now, now, people, let me tell you something. And when I say people, I mean you and I mean me. It is in our nature to be disobedient to God. Do you all know that? It is in our nature to defy authority. Now, if you don't believe me, think about when you became a teenager with your parents. It was in your nature not to do what mom and dad told you because you were smarter than them, right? All right? The same idea is true with us. And the Bible tells us this. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us lived among them at one time. That means you and me. We were all disobedient to God. 
And we were gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of what? Of wrath. Whose wrath? God's. That's a scary thought. In my nature, I am in the path of God's wrath. Why? Because I'm stubborn. And I don't like anybody telling me what to do. And you don't either. And you can sit here and lie. But you don't like people to tell you what to do. You want to do whatever it is that you want to do. Whatever you want to do. And that's why, if it's in man's nature to be at odds with God, we need to understand we are in the path of God's wrath. So the question is, how do I get out of his path of wrath? I mean, how do I do that? This is where our purpose is important. It's why we teach the Bible. The Bible teaches us how we can get outside of God's path to wrath. And you know what the world teaches and what Scripture teaches are at odds with each other. You know what the world teaches us? When I say the world, y'all, I'm talking about just right here in Blythewood, South Carolina. What the world teaches is contrary to Scripture. Let me give you, I'll give you a few examples. One is the world laughs and applauds at those who abuse alcohol and drugs. I have seen it right here in our community. They laugh and applaud it. And yet whenever I look into the Scripture, now that you don't go off what you feel and what you think. So what does the Bible say? Proverbs chapter 20 tells us that drunkenness is foolishness. Now guys, I know, believe me, I'm a person just like you. I know that you can have a good time. But if... Have you noticed how drunkenness leads to foolishness? I mean, let's just be honest. It's foolishness. The Bible says it's a sin. The world teaches us that promiscuity, that sex outside of marriage, is not wrong. It's normal. That's a natural human desire. Okay, that sounds good. But what does the Bible say? I'm not asking what do you say, what do you think, what do you feel. I'm not asking what I think and what I feel. What does the Bible say? Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that we are not to defile the marriage bed, that we are to keep it holy. The book of Proverbs has a ton of scriptures that talks about the foolishness, the promiscuity, and how it destroys lives. So what does the world teach? The world teaches us, it really doesn't matter what God you believe in or serve, because, you know, we all believe ultimately in the same God and pray to the same God anyway. Have you all heard that before? That sounds good. It's not very offensive. I'm not going to offend too many people if I say that. But here's the deal. It's not what do you think and what do you say and what do you think is correct. What does the Bible say? You know what Jesus said? John 14, 6, Jesus said that he is the only way to God. He says, no man comes to the Father except through me. He said, just Jesus. Acts 4, 12 tells us there's no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. It is the name of Jesus. Now here's the question. Why is there such a huge disparity between what the world teaches and what God teaches? Why is it that so many of us as believers struggle with, you know, what's really right and what's wrong? It's because I believe for many of us we don't have a basic understanding of what the Bible teaches. That's where it's so important for Village Church to do what Jesus commanded, to teach Scripture. Because as we teach Scripture, we begin to get a better understanding of who our God is, and we will not be blown around by the winds of life. There is a flag that you can see at the Smithsonian Institute. 
It's a flag that was flying during the War of 1812 whenever Francis Scott Key wrote the Star-Spangled Banner. He was in the water. He saw this flag from almost 10 miles away. It stood on a 189-foot-tall flagpole. The flag is enormous. It's 42 feet by 30 feet. So you have to look at it. I mean, for me, I was like, how in the world could a flag that big be on a pole that tall and not just snap in half? Here's the key. It's because its foundation goes nine feet underground, and it's anchored in the ground, and I think this is cool, by a wooden cross. Guys, let me tell you something. When our lives are anchored down in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross and what he did three days later, you will not be blown over by the winds of this world. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. You want to build on the rock because if you don't, here's what happens. It says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Our challenge, why we are here as a church, is to help people build their lives on the rock of Jesus. Because, guys, the winds of this world are blowing, and I have seen so many houses crash. Because people haven't built their lives upon the rock of Jesus. And the rock for us begins by basing your life off of what Jesus teaches here. And then applying it to your lives. Because as you do, you're going to find strength. Pay attention to what it says and live it. We're told in James 1.22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. I like this part. It's real simple. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like, his, like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. This is a real practical application here for me. When you guys got up in the morning, one of the first things that you did is you went to the bathroom and you looked at yourself in the mirror. Why do you look at yourself in the mirror? Because you realize after a night of being in the bed that you've got, for one, if you have hair, you have rack hair. Uh, you know that you have lines on your face from where you were on the pillow. So you realize there's some improvements that you need to make. I can't imagine what this church would look like if you guys did not comb your hair before you came here. You would be frightening and I would be scared. Now, nobody, nobody does that. Nobody looks in the mirror and then just says, I look pretty good after nine hours of sleep, and then just come on. We make changes. Well, in a similar sense, this is what James is telling us. He says, whenever you look at God's Word, it's like looking into a mirror, and you look into God's Word, and you put it down, you ignore it, and you go on. God's just like looking in a mirror and not making the necessary adjustments. Your life will be a mess. So what needs to be done? We need to look into the mirror of God's word and say, this is what I look like without Jesus. I need help. 
and began to make adjustments. Our goal at Village Church is to teach the Word of God so that people will make the adjustments necessary in their lives to be touched by the power and the grace of Jesus. All right, today's been real simple. Guys, I just want to share with you why we're here. We are here for very simple reasons. Because Jesus has given us a challenge. And that challenge is to make disciples. You want to become a disciple? Best way to start that process is go back there and look for a V group. So we've been called to make disciples. We've been called to baptize followers. That's a great, it's a great testimony of what God's done in your life. And it lets people, when people see you baptized, they go, oh yeah, that guy, he's a follower. He believes in Jesus. It's a great way for you to give a testimony of Jesus without you actually talking. And the last thing is to teach the Bible. Do you want to know what Village Church is about? That's pretty much it. Man, we're simple stuff. That is why we're here. Now, some of you might be interested in that. If you are, we, we do a discovery class, a Discovering Village Church class. I'll encourage you to sign up for it. I believe there's a place to sign up for it in your bulletin. Now, for others of you, you might say, you know what, I have, I have heard messages like this but I have never made that decision or commitment to say, I want to give myself to Jesus. Guys, why don't you do that today? That's what we're here for.